Welcome to this week's edition of the Contact Centre podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Mitchell, and I'm the Features Editor here at Call Centre Helper. In this episode, we'll be looking at the topic of improving your Contact Centre coaching program with Nick Drake-Knight, the popular customer service trainer and writer. Nick has helped to coach the customer service teams of some of the world's biggest brands, and we start our conversation by discussing the continue and begin coaching philosophy for which he is very well known. The training has to turn knowledge into skill, into behaviours. If we can do that as a starting point. The second thing is, having created that change behaviour, can we sustain it? Can we keep it going? Training is great at creating consistency, but it's of limited value if it's temporary. So what we're going to do is to create a coaching philosophy and a skill set that allows local managers to keep those plates spinning. Self-awareness is the beginning of this. When people are self-aware, they're much more likely to move forward. Being told and told and told and told is a really inefficient way of helping people grow. This episode of the Contact Centre podcast is sponsored by Genesis. Genesis is the global leader in omnichannel customer experience and contact center solutions. More than 11,000 companies in over 100 countries trust the Genesis customer experience platform to help them connect effortlessly with consumers across any channel, voice, text, web chat, and social. If you would like to see a demonstration of the Genesis Pure Cloud contact center platform, visit callcenterhelper.com forward slash demo. You have a technique for contact center coaching called continue and begin fast coaching. What does this involve? Well, yes, you're right, Charlie. So continue and begin fast coaching has been around for a while. It's used extensively in contact center operations. It's used by class leading brands every day across the world these days. And for some years now, we've been working with global brands, helping them to sustain their preferred processes, their performance standards and behaviors. And we do that through fast coaching. So the success of continuing begin fast coaching lies really in its positivity and uh, the speed of its application. So it it drives up performance and and crucially, it does it quickly. So the emphasis, the essence rather of continuing begin is is an emphasis on on celebration. And we celebrate the call center team members' successes first, and then we build on that confidence. And we do that Crucially, we do that before we start thinking about development plans and personal improvement. A core skill of an effective continue and begin coach is is to make careful use of language during the coaching processes, which initially stimulates that success celebration. And what we do is we, we use specific language patterns which are helpful in the coaching process. And we also identify and isolate during training programs some key phrases and patterns that are less helpful in a coaching context. I think um, the kind of the key bit there is to celebrate uh, advisor successes. And do you think this is something that sometimes contact centers don't do enough because they feel like, oh, we have to kind of give them some sort of reward, not just a simple thank you, which might even suffice? Well, it's more about the emphasis on improvement, Charlie. So, I mean, I've been doing this a very long time and experienced lots of different development programs. It seems to me that 
Too many organisations are quick to get onto the development, the improvement ladder as a first step. And what we know from, you know, heaps of research is that, you know, when people are being coached, certainly in the early phases, maybe the first time that they've been coached, they're feeling pretty vulnerable, pretty fragile. And I guess what we do in Continuum Begin is, is we start by strengthening that confidence, that ego, so that they're strong enough, they feel good enough, they feel powerful enough, resourceful enough to be able to take on additional development opportunities. But to start with that initially, how can we improve? It seems to me that that's not a very helpful way of operating. So you're right, the essence of it, the emphasis initially is let's celebrate successes, let's feel good about the things that you're already doing well in your role in a contact centre. And now when your ego's strong, you're feeling powerful, you're feeling resourceful, now we can start talking about how we might want to do just one or two things a little bit differently and perhaps even better. But let's not start with that. Let's start by helping people feel good. Interesting. So why do you think the starting approach of making people feel good is one of the reasons why Continue and Begin is different? Well, there's a number of reasons why it's different, but that's one of the primary ones. It's because it makes people feel good. So essentially, there are four things that make Continue and Begin different. The first is that it's fast. So it's a far quicker coaching approach than most established methodologies. Many coaching methods, you know, they require anything from sort of 20 minutes to over an hour to create a meaningful change plan for an individual coachee in a call center. Uh, With Continuum Begin, we can get substantial impact in less than two minutes and a a really comprehensive change strategy within sort of five or six minutes, dependent on uh, obviously on the call center environment and the complexity of the the coachee's ambition. So there's the first thing. It's really fast. The second, as I alluded to just now, it makes people feel good. So call center employees you know, much more likely to take on fresh challenges and new goals when they're in this state of confidence and personal feel good. And the starting point for a successful continuum begin fast coaching session is to focus on the coachee's recent successes and a celebration of performance when that's measured, of course, against some kind of previously agreed standards or, or rules or ambitions. What we do, Charlie, is, is emphasising existing competence and capability. So the, the coachee stimulated through this process to recognise their self-worth and their self-image, how we, we enhance ego and personal confidence. So if you contrast that, you know, a person who's got some sort of impoverished self-perception they're much less likely to feel confident and capable or willing to take on further stretch. That's the second reason, is the feel good. Third is that it's content free. So there's no industry or environment specific jargon or set of references. Continuum begins used in in a diverse range of circumstances, way beyond call centers and contact centers. Because it's so flexible, there are very few, if, if any, scenarios where a, a contact centre coachee can't be helped to further his or her competencies. So the core framework remains the same, whatever the environment, but it's content-free. We can put anything through this method. And finally, I guess what makes a difference is that the language patterns are, are carefully crafted. So we talk about how the questions are specific and we use words like specificity to elicit responses that aid the coachee in achieving her ambitions so that these patterns come from transformational grammar and other linguistic sciences and uh, they stimulate personal growth. So those are the the kind of the four things that 
that make it different. It's fast. It makes people feel good. It's content-free. We can use it with anything. And the language patterns are very carefully constructed. Those four things together is what makes Continuum Begin different. We'll help brands to map out and design their preferred behavior patterns for call center staff. We do that at the front end of the program, especially around customer service and sales patterns. And of course, the whatever processes and guided conversations that form part of the call center operations. So we talk about making sure the expectations around employee performance are presented as uh, what we call explicitly described standards that everyone can understand. So there's no ambiguity. And once these have been trained out in the call center to the team members, once they've been trained out, then we can start coaching people around those standards. Most of the world-class operators that that we've worked with over the years use what I call the the NDK performance model. So if you can imagine a triangle with four levels, so at the bottom of level one, we've got uh, explicit standards. So these explicitly describe set of performance standards that spell out exactly what is expected of employees, exactly. The approach applies irrespective of the discipline or the industry sector. People need to know what's expected of them if they're going to work to a given standard. So let's make them explicit. There's the starting point. And then the second part is about achieving consistency. So, you know, I go around the world and I meet call center leaders and they tell me they get frustrated about inconsistency, that they've got some pockets of excellence, you know, parts of the organization, parts of the operation where uh, performance and individual standards delivery is exemplary. And they'll say that that's good but it's far from comprehensive. In in fact, most of them say, Charlie, that the majority of their people are sort of doing okay. And and then they sadly tell me they have a few pits of despair where folk, no matter what support they've got, just don't seem to be able to deliver to the high standards of those uh, pockets of excellence. But here's the thing. We can create the consistency temporarily through effective training, temporarily. Consistency is of limited value if it's only temporary because what we know is performance excellence has got to be delivered day in, day out, long after the latest training initiative has been launched. And I've got to say this, in some organisations, and surprisingly some really impressive organisations, training is like throwing wet mud against the wall. You know, most of the mud slides off the wall immediately and leaves a puddle of uh, brown water, a little bit of sediment on the wall, but most of it slides off. And when people leave the training room, you can see the learning falling off them as they walk out the door. And I've got to say, you know, sometimes they get back to work and the the line manager will ask them how, you know, what was training like? And they'll say, well, lunch was good. (laughs) (laughs) So training's great and it achieves consistency but it only does it temporarily. That's the reality of it. But don't let anybody from L&D hear that story unless, and this is where we get with coaching, Charlie, unless we can sustain that new knowledge. We can do two things. If we can do these two things, then suddenly the training becomes monstrously successful, just uber successful. Here's the first thing. First thing is the training has to turn knowledge into skill, into behaviours. If we can do that as a starting point, the second thing is, having created that change behavior, can we sustain it? Can we keep it going? Can that call center agent, that operator, 
Can that team member deliver the new behaviors, the new skills that they've learned every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year with every call? Because if they can do that, if they can sustain that new knowledge, that new learning, suddenly the training is exceptionally valuable. And the way that we do that is through coaching, but it has to be local coaching and it has to be local team leaders who keep the momentum up and the training alive. Otherwise, it's a coach who flies in every week or two weeks to do some kind of momentum work. Much better if it's the local team leader who's doing that on a daily basis. So that's level three, if you like, the sustainability. So we've got level one, the explicit standards. Level two, the consistency achieved through training. Level three is the sustainability through coaching. And level four, tiny little bit right at the top of the triangle, I call it QCI. So any of your listeners from a quality background will be familiar with it from Total Quality Management Days. QCI, the quest for continuous improvement. And that's about saying that what's good today is not good enough for tomorrow. So what can we do to improve our service proposition to even higher levels? And what we do in that scenario is we get the people involved in the discussion. So there we are. That's, in my view, in answer to your question, as does it fit with call center standards? It's about creating those explicit standards. It's about creating consistency of delivery. It's about sustaining them. And it's about continually looking to see how it could be improved. Does that answer your question? It does indeed. And I think it was very interesting, those four levels, because, I mean, these four levels can go beyond the continuing beginnings just for any kind of coaching program that anybody kind of puts into place. And just focusing again on continuing begin, how is that kind of structured within the contact centre? Well, I guess the clue's in the title, Charlie, you know, continue and begin. So um, <laughs> we, we start, let's start with a continue to. So what, what we do is we identify a set of productive, positive behaviours that are exhibited by the coachee and that relate to a, a given set of known standards, those explicit standards on level one. And then we can help the team member celebrate her existing or evolving excellence. And by doing that, we can build an ego strong enough for her to take on further personal development ambitions in the form of, guess what, the begin to commitments. So it's essential that the continue tos are self-identified by the coachee. So it's a self-assessment process, self-evaluative, and the evaluation on this, the self-assessment is against those explicit standards. So once again, critical that the organization maps out what's expected so the individual team member can then self-assess against those standards to see how they're getting on, rather than, and this is a you know a real beer my bonnet, rather than being told by the coach. There's a massive difference between coaching and providing feedback. I'm really not into that. You know, self-awareness is the beginning of this, and when people are self-aware, they're much more likely to move forward. Being told and told and told and told is a really inefficient way of helping people grow. So this is a, if you like, it's a key differential and it's at the core of continuing begin fast coaching. So it's imperative the coach is empowered by self-reflection and, and our goal as continuing begin practitioners is to arouse, a, if you like, a strong psychological sense of resourcefulness and confidence before she embarks on a plans for improvement. So that, that's the first bit of the structure is the continue to. So you'll recognize the second part clearly is the begin to's. And these are developmental. In many coaching methodologies, this is, in my view, wrongly the starting point. 
In continuing begin, we don't even consider improvement or self-development or remedial work until a set of continuous successes have been um, <laughs> loudly hailed and celebrated to strengthen the individual self-perception. So once we've got a coachee confident, then we can activate the begin to phase with a small set of targeted specific ambitions, not too many. The number of the begin to's identified are deliberately kept to a modest number. So a maximum of three ambitions for change. And in many cases, in fact, I prefer just one or two key ones. So the rationale, I guess, Charlie, for this is sort of based on the short-term memory capacity and um, the ability of people to consciously consider new ideas during performance. You know, sometimes we, we hear about people being asked to do loads of things differently. They can't compute it in their short-term memory on the desktop, if you like, of their mind. You know, therapists understand this. They call it performance anxiety. It's exacerbated by overload. And uh, there's lots of research by a fellow called George Miller who investigated that. So in continuing begin, we ask the coachee to focus on just a few new ways of operating. And then the personal development plan, we ask them to concentrate just a little bit. But it makes sense for those ambitions, if they're only going to have a few of them, to be significant and value-adding, you know, not trivial. If you're only going to have a few, let's make sure they're really juicy ones. So that's the way we go about the structure, the continue to's to celebrate, and then the bring in to's for the developmental piece. Excellent. And I think there's one bit there that I really want to uh, pick up on, and that's kind of the maintaining sustainability in training, because I'm sure kind of you've witnessed training classes where maybe two weeks later advisors have kind of only remember 10% of what was taught during that class. How can we do a better job in sustaining training in the long run? Well, you're absolutely right. And in terms of the call center colleagues, that's true. But think about it from an organizational point of view as well. Think about it if you're, you know, you're a senior player in an organization and you put together you know, some significant investment in developing a training program and getting people to operate in new ways. Fabulous new pieces of equipment are being used, but it's not sustained. And a week, as you say, a week, two weeks, a couple of months, maybe a year after, people have resorted to the old ways or the impact is not what it was intended to have. And the senior player in the organisation, the sponsor, the investor, quite reasonably says, well, hang on a minute, I thought, we didn't we do something on this earlier in the year? We put a significant amount of energy into this and it's not having the impact. Well, no, because the training is not sustained. The new behaviours are not sustained. The coaching piece isn't in place or the coaching piece is so tortuous and so unpopular that people do everything to avoid it. So it's crucial that we get this bit right. Training is great at creating consistency but it's of limited value if it's temporary. So what we've got to do is to create a coaching philosophy and a skill set that allows local managers to keep those plates spinning long after the training event has passed. Sustainability through local coaching, local managers, keeps that momentum up and the training alive. So as long as the coaching experience is helpful, as long as it's not too onerous, and dare I say it, as long as it's enjoyable, <laughs> you know, people can start to enjoy celebrating the things that they're doing well, feeling good about their successes, 
and being hopeful and anticipatory about the kind of things that they might be able to do in the future that will make their performance even better than it already is. When you can do that, then the training can be sustained in the long run. I guess having a clear coaching philosophy, as you say there, goes halfway to answering my next question, actually. But I did want to ask, kind of, what advice do you have for changing employee mindsets and getting them excited about coaching? Well, yeah, you're right. We're kind of some way through that. But let's just think about this. So I mentioned it earlier, you know, too often, Charlie, coaching is camouflaged in name because it's really feedback. And feedback isn't coaching. And too many folk have been through that painful experience of being told, often with best intention, of the things they're doing well and being told about the things that they should, need to, have to, got to, ought to improve on. So feedback is didactic. It's an imposition of will. It's forceful. We're not about that. We've got to change that perception because coaching becomes popular. People enjoy it. They get a buzz out of it. They're saying, hey, why haven't I had a coaching session recently? They start to operate in this really dynamic, forward-thinking development way when it's experienced as a positive, value-adding, ego-strengthening activity. Because when people feel good, when they leave the, the coaching conversation feeling better than when they started, that's when organizational culture begins to change. So we know people... People grow best, they develop best when they want to, not when they're forced to. So when the focus starts with a celebration of success, we change the thinking paradigm. When we focus on what's wrong in our lives, we shut out positivity and opportunity. We start focusing on what's not being done properly. We shut down that enthusiasm. So you transfer this reality to the world of coaching and we create this kind of stunted thinking and limited possibilities. In, in fact, there's some recent research last few years analyzing brain imaging patterns, and it highlights how important it is to think productively about potential outcomes rather than current limitations. And th th this is the essence of continue and begin fast coaching. And, and you can read the research at the Harvard Business Review. Uh, there's a number of pieces there, but essentially it illuminates and it emphasizes that thinking a positive developmental sense is far more productive in terms of change behavior than identifying what's not being done so well. There's a number of interesting points there that um, you mentioned. And one of them was that kind of a lot of the existing coaching models aren't even coaching models at all, but they're ways of giving feedback. So I'm thinking two stars and a wish, or there's a model itself called the grow model. And that's not actually helping people learn. That's just a way of kind of giving people feedback through kind of real-time coaching. I thought that was a very interesting point before I move on to another thing that I've heard you speak about, and that is something called the butt monster <laughs> in a previous presentation. Do you just want to uh, let our listeners know what you mean by this? Yeah, sure. And just before we do that, you know, I don't want to diss other coaching models because generally speaking, they all have a place. It's just that I believe that they're not always as productive as they could be. I think they're too lengthy. I think they're convoluted. And uh, I don't think they have the same rapid impact. And I don't think they make people feel as good as continue and begin. But let's not diss them. So yeah, butt monster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Listen to this language pattern. Okay. Call center, right? Well, you did pretty well on that call. Some of the things you did were they were helpful, 
Now, Charlie, what word is coming next? What is it I'm about to say? But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, so you know, we, we know intuitively, we understand the next word's going to be but. Let's run it again. Well, you, you did pretty well on that call. Some of the things you did were, well, they were, they were helpful. <laughs> you just know the next word's going to be but, don't you? <laughs> so but here's the interesting bit. How did you know? How did you know? Well, here's the thing. You know because of the tonality of my voice. You know because, well, if you could see me, you'd know because of the physiology that I illustrate with my facial expression and my breathing patterns and everything else. And, and you've heard and experienced. <laughs> you've heard and experienced these types of communicating many times in the past, Charlie, yeah. haven't you? <laughs> Too many. You know that the next word that's coming out is going to be a but. Now, what's coming after the but? <laughs> Well, you know, you understand intuitively, you know. The next thing that's going to be coming out is some form of criticism, some form of request for change, some sort of negative vibe, and you're getting ready for it. <laughs> so just try it again. You, you, you did pretty well on that call. Some of the things you did were, um, well, they were helpful. <laughs> You know a but's coming, Charlie, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and you know that after the but, there's going to be some request for change. It's what I call the butt monster, and it's coming to bite you on the buttock. <laughs> so the butt monster, what it does, it stops people from feeling good, and it, it gets them ready for some impending pain, which is uh, absolutely not what we want to do for continuing begin fast coaching. So remember, we want people to feel good. And if you start to use the word but, all of those uh, natural downward inflections in the voice, all of the physiology and the tonality gives the game away before you even say the word but, and then inevitably is that request for change. So my guidance to you, and I think in the piece that I wrote for you some years ago, remove the butt monster from your coaching vocabulary. Change the way that you help people to change. And if you want them to operate in a different way, use a different way of communicating. So I remember in the first piece I wrote for you all those years ago about the butt monster, there were people writing in and saying, well, it's okay saying don't use the butt monster, but what can we use? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a great way of operating. So instead of using the butt monster, we use the word and, and we keep the tonality up. We keep the facial expressions and everything else about the body language really positive. So, so here it goes. Back in the call centre, coaching session. Hey, uh, Charlie, some of the things on that call this morning are fantastic. You've done some great stuff. And what would be really great as we progress is if you could also make the change. Now, you're hearing this. There's still a request for change. And instead of the butt monster, there's an and. You may not even have heard it. It, it was slick, right? It was quick. So there's a difference between the butt monster and and. And you can use a similar approach if you like. And instead of using and, we simply break the sentence into two with a full stop and a deep breath and a swallow in the middle of the two ideas, the current idea, the current performance, and the future idea, the future performance. So here it goes. Hey, Charlie, some of the things on that call this morning were fantastic. You've done some really great stuff. Full stop, deep breath, swallow. And what would be really great as we progress is if you could also – you get the idea? Yeah. So we have the first idea and we just simply stop. You've done some great stuff. Full stop, deep breath, swallow. What would be really great as we progress is if you could also, so the and and the full stop, 
both approaches with the increased upward tonality, the positive physiology, everything around that, we simply avoid the butt monster. It's a technique that's used extensively, by the way, in therapeutic contexts, because some therapists know that butt can jolt a patient out of feelings of comfort and relaxation. In fact, what it does, it creates anxiety. That's why they avoid the butt monster. And we don't want our continue and begin fast coaching team members feeling anxious because anxiety is an inhibitor to learning. So there's a hey, there's the butt monster. <laughs> Excellent stuff. And I think that's not only kind of a piece of advice for contact center coaches, but maybe that's something that can be taught to advisors as well to make sure they don't pass any feelings of anxiety onto customers. So I think it's uh, all around a brilliant tip. And just kind of picking up on that emotional aspect of kind of these feelings of anxiety and things that we hear a lot about how we should behave as advisors in terms of creating an emotional connection with customers. What kind of advice do you have for advisors and for coaches wanting to teach advisors for creating emotional connections with customers? Well, firstly, you're absolutely right. You know, the the butt monster and the avoidance of it is transferable to the world of communication with customers. And uh, a lot of my work around customer service and sales work, we focus in on language patterns and the impact it has on people at an emotional level. So you're absolutely right. The two link together. So In my book, Meerkat Selling, and also in my most recent book, Fast Coaching, I talk about something called the emotional driver. And what we have here is the reason for all human behavior. That sounds pretty profound, and it's true. That everything we do is driven by an urge for feeling. And it's a truism that all human behavior has a positive intent. That's to say that people do things for a reason. So... Behavior is driven by an underlying emotional need. Every single thing that we do, no matter how trivial, is driven by an emotional need, what I call the emotional driver. And it encourages us to make either a movement towards emotional pleasure, emotional comfort, emotional feel-good, or the other underlying emotional need is a move away from existing physical or psychological discomfort or pain, and importantly, also not only existing pain and discomfort, but also anticipated pain or discomfort. So we're driven by an urge either to have some nice feelings or to avoid having nasty feelings. Behaviours are driven by our emotions. Incidentally, you know, in terms of buying behaviour, You know, you think about every single thing that you've ever bought, every single thing, no matter how trivial, it's driven by an urge either to have some pleasure or comfort, some feel good, or it's driven by an urge to avoid feeling bad. In the sales world, in the customer service world, this is profound in its impact. And a lot of my work is around that. So, hey, you know better than me, I guess, but experienced call center colleagues know all about emotional customers, right? (laughs) So these two types, movement away, including the fear of potential future pain, movement towards feelings of relaxation, feelings of comfort, feelings of contentment. Now, this is really important. One of those drivers, one of them, will be the initiating force or the dominant force. Sometimes it's both, but one is the initiating or the dominant force in customers' minds, in their hearts, when they're seeking some form of resolution. 
either the reason for the call, for making the call to the call center, or for accepting an outbound call. But here's the question, Charlie. Here's the question. Which driver is it? Which emotional driver is it that's causing the customer either to accept the call or to make the call? Is it moving away from pain or is it an urge to move towards pleasure? So a key skill for call center professionals is to uncover as best they can the emotional driver of the customer. What is the feeling that she wants to move away from? Or what is the feeling that she wants to move towards? These are critical questions to consider. But what we can do is we we can gain clues from the customer by listening carefully, and there's no better medium for listening carefully than in a call center, listening carefully to the words that they use and the evidence that he or she offers. So in in my books, and I I think also in some of the call center helper articles I've written for you guys over the years, I talk about using clean language to build a, a rapid rapport and how a good set of questions, including something called the permission question, incredibly powerful, the permission question, how these approaches can help in in uncovering the primary uh, initiating or most dominant emotional driver of the customer. So it all comes down really, Charlie, to to rapport and to questioning. Excellent. And just for um, some of our listeners who may be unaware, what does the permission question involve? The permission question is precisely what it says. So what we do is we very simply ask the customer, whether it's a customer service environment or a sales environment or any other scenario, we ask the question, Charlie, just so I can help you, would it be okay if I ask you a few questions? (laughs) That's the permission question. And it's rare, very rare that the response is no, I do not wish you to ask me any questions. (laughs) Normally, of course, the answer is, yeah, sure, far away. Yeah, and excellent. And I imagine that question is actually, as you say, very insightful in terms of kind of which emotional driver the customer uh, has for making the call. But just one kind of final topic that I want to focus on today is a very in-topic within the contact center industry at the moment, and that's uh, gamification. Have you had any experience with using gamification to support contact center coaching? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love gamification. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> I love it. Anything that brightens up the day, eh? I've got to say, my favourite's bingo. I'm sure lots of people use it, but it's still my favourite. One of my, uh, <laughs> one of my clients in uh, Chicago is a global brand. They're involved in adventure clothing, a well-known brand. But uh, one of the country managers in Chicago started using bingo within her coaching team, and what she was doing, she was checking off some of the key continual begin phrases and language patterns that were being used by her coaching colleagues and, you know, four corners and a line and a full house and all that sort of stuff. It's a lot of fun. You know, a lot of the, I mean, all around the world, you know, my global clients, they they use games to stimulate the use of sales and customer service language patterns. And uh, (laughs) it's a lot of fun. You know, it's really crazy to see bingo sheets or any other games. It's crazy to see them in so many languages too. And, I was in Oslo recently with um, country managers all over the world, and uh, I'd never played bingo in Hungarian before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, And yes, I know Oslo's in Norway. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to pull you up on that, but yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> you got that excellent stuff and um, there's also loads of uh, gamification software which i'm sure our sponsor genesis can help you with oh, great. see what i did there nick <laughs> yeah i'll take a look at that excellent excellent and um just as a final kind of caveat for our listeners where can they find out a bit more about kind of the coaching techniques that you've discussed today and maybe where can they even get in contact with you after listening to this podcast Oh, sure. Continueandbegin.com. Continueandand, continueandbegin.com. Get onto the website there. Or have a play around on YouTube. There's, I don't know how many films on there. Or drop me an email. It's uh, nick at ndk, November Delta Kilo hyphen group.com. Nick at ndk hyphen group.com. Or just put my name into the interwebnet and. Um, I'm sure stuff will come up. I'm on uh, LinkedIn as well if uh, if guys want to have a have a chat via that medium. Hey, good luck to everybody in um, in their coaching ambitions because you know this is so important. We go back to that triangle. Explicit standards are great. The consistency is great, but it's temporary. Sustainability is what it's all about, and we've got to continuously improve if we're to stay ahead of the game. So I wish everybody great good fortune in the coaching activities. If anybody wants to have a chat, get in touch, have a talk. That's all for this episode. Thank you, Nick Drake Knight, for joining us today. His latest book, Fast Coaching, The Complete Guide to Continue and Begin, is now available on Amazon, while you can also find the audio version exclusively on Audible. This episode of the Contact Centre podcast is sponsored by Genesis. Genesis is the global leader in omni-channel customer experience and contact center solutions. More than 11,000 companies in over 100 countries trust the Genesis customer experience platform to help them connect effortlessly with consumers across any channel, voice, text, web chat, and social. If you would like to see a demonstration of the Genesis Pure Cloud contact center platform, visit callcenterhelper.com forward slash demo. Next week on the Contact Centre podcast, we'll be looking at the topic of employee engagement with Natalie Calvert, a well-respected customer experience author and speaker. The Contact Centre podcast is produced by Call Centre Helper, the leading contact centre magazine. You can subscribe to our podcasts or give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also access our entire range of podcasts through the Call Centre Helper website by visiting callcenterhelper.com forward slash podcasts.